Hey everyone, hello and welcome to another edition of the Low Entropy Foundation's podcast. And I'm your host, Shiraz. And today I'm here with a remarkable young lady. Her name is Kiara Lali. How are you doing, Kiara? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well as well. Thank you for asking. So, Kiara, you are a part of the Youth Empowering Youth program here at the Low Entropy Foundation. And not just a little part of it, but you're kind of a big part of it, right? I'd like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> why Why would you like to think so? <laughs> well, I still haven't facilitated my first cohort yet, but I have been with the foundation for some time, mostly through the uh, public speaking workshops. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit last time we spoke. You've had a lot of chance to sort of hone your public speaking skills, I guess, all throughout high school, right? Yeah, I have. And it's been great. Um, I've It's made me really comfortable speaking in front of crowds. Yeah, it's really apparent when anybody gets to engage with you that you have honed that skill and you use it really well. So tell me about it and tell the folks, the people listening, how you yourself, when you went into high school or even before that, started sort of honing your skills or getting opportunities to become a better and stronger public speaker? Yeah. So for me, growing up, I was actually a very shy kid and um, it was very difficult for me to make friends, but I found that talking with adults was always a lot easier. So when I was in sixth grade, we had an annual uh, speech competition and honestly, I wasn't really going to try. I was like, I'm not a big speaker. This isn't really for me. But I do love writing and I wrote a speech that I actually really liked. So because I felt such a deep connection with that speech, I would practice it daily and it really helped me. So when I actually got up in front of my class and presented it to them, I was just so confident. I felt so good about it that that confidence really came across. I actually ended up winning that competition and got to recite my speech in front of the whole school, which was a big opportunity for me. It really helped me to break out of my shell. So moving forward into high school, I kind of took that experience and kept like building on it and searching out opportunities where I could speak in front of crowds more and really get that adrenaline rush again. I've learned that it was a really great feeling um, to have people listen to what you say, especially when you have such a deep connection to it and spent such a long time kind of honing it. So I joined the student council. And as I kind of started volunteering more and more. I was given more opportunities and more opportunities to speak. And I was eventually even able to give welcomes to incoming grade eights, um, speaking in front of the entire school, sharing my experiences within high school. And each of those experiences got me more and more comfortable in speaking in front of large groups. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to hone that skill in uh, late elementary school as a student gets older and gets uh, the opportunity to get in front of their classmates or in front of people. That's your first audience, right? And then yeah. you expand upon that. But you said something really interesting. You said that you liked writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's linked, right? People don't often realize that, but being a good writer or being able to express your thoughts on paper is kind of the first step of becoming a good public speaker, right? Yeah, well, it's all communication. So whether it's written or verbal, it's all linked. The reason I was saying that was you said something even more interesting, that in sixth grade, because you wrote that, and it was Mm -hmm. your own words and your own experience, 
it ignited more of a passion in you to keep repeating the speech. Yeah, certainly. Right. So when, like, I, I've had that before too. When I was younger in school, I had something similar, but I, I even at one point uh, spoke speeches that were not written by me. Like they were just mm-hmm. historic speeches or something like that, or mm-hmm. uh, uh, reciting, like, especially in English class, like poems or, or uh, Shakespeare or something like that. You had yeah. to find passion into it, right? But you got that by really understanding what the writer was saying, mm-hmm. right? So when you write your own stuff all throughout high school, how did, like, I'm assuming you, you do well in English and you've done well in English. And how is your writing now? And how do you see that hand-in-hand growth? Or was it hand-in-hand? One grew and the other didn't? Or For me, they certainly grew together because... Actually, currently, I'm, I'm very into poetry. I write a lot of poetry. Mm. So when I started um, writing poetry, I found myself drawn to spoken word and realizing that I, my favorite thing to do is to actually present my poems verbally. So I just began, like, I'd grab my sister or my dad and I'd say, here, listen to this poem I just wrote. And I'd sit them down and make them listen to me recite it. And I just found that it made me love the piece that I wrote even more. Mm. And it just, it, each skill kind of like built on each other. Um, especially because when I recite something, it helps me figure out the flow and the rhythm of it better. Even more so, like you just said, when people are listening to what you wrote and they're listening to your words when you say them, mm-hmm. there's a different kind of feeling that you get back when you see the reaction, right? Mm-hmm, completely. Yeah, I totally feel you. I know. I've been through that myself before too. I had that the most in my life when my younger sister got married mm-hmm. and I had to sort of lay it down in like 10 minutes, <laughs> like <laughs> our entire lives and everything in her life. So it kind of happened that way. But mm-hmm. um, I totally see what you mean. Like the reaction people had, it kept it memorable in their minds too, because mm-hmm. I sort of compacted everything into around 10 minutes. So jumping from your explanation of how You've become a good public speaker and the connection to your writing. I want to jump in now to how you got connected to the foundation or the Youth Empowering Youth Program. Was it just the foundation in general or you you directly came in through the Youth Empowering Youth Program? Yeah, so I came in through the Youth Empowering Youth Program. At the time, I was just looking for any opportunities I could get, any sort of youth organization. So I found this one through my student council. And I thought it just, I looked at the curriculum and it seemed like an excellent idea just learning about all these different skills to reach your goals. I'm going to interrupt you. Which school do you go to and which student got, where was this? I go to Earl Mary at secondary. Okay. So it's in South Surrey or White Rock is officially what it like, is? Like South Surrey, White Rock area, right on the border. Okay. And then you got connected that way. Somebody came in or there was some connection to Earl Marriott and you got introduced? It was just a small like um, post on our team's page that my uh, teacher had made. And I just thought it looked interesting. Okay. And then you react, you uh, say, this is a good opportunity for me. And you go and you come and explore. Yeah. So I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't exactly know what the format would be like, but I joined the first meeting and met the facilitators and they were just wonderful, friendly people. So the facilitators were Emerson and Yasmin and they were wonderful and friendly and all the other people um, who joined the meeting with me. They're very excited. Like some of them were a bit shy, apprehensive, but they were still very excited to be there. And I knew what the sessions were about, but I didn't know exactly how it would go. And 
I learned that it's very, the program is very linked to people sharing their personal stories, their personal journeys. So each facilitator, whenever they were teaching one of the lessons, would share an example from their own lives. And I felt that it just really helped us to connect to them and help for me to understand their lives and relate it to my own. As Is, is that why? Because you you can see something that's common in your life or an experience that they've gone through and that you've gone through. Is that what you mean when you say that? Yeah, exactly. Even if I hadn't experienced that exact thing before, just the way that they felt in the moment, I just found that they described it so well. So the emotion too, like that was mm-hmm. connecting for you too. Okay, so go on. Yeah. And you're going through it, the program, and? Mm-hmm. And I was, was very enthusiastic throughout, maybe sometimes trying to take the floor too much, but um, I just really enjoyed sharing my own stories along with theirs. It, it, it really resonated. helped. The program, the way it was structured or the way it is structured, it mm-hmm. resonates with you a lot. Yeah, certainly. Just why? Because uh, it's it's kind of what you like to do. Like because I'm leading us to this part of the program. There's a storytelling part of the program, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the storytelling is sep- a separate program, but it's connected, right? Like yes, you, when you're in the program, you learn to be a better storyteller, or you get exposed to storytelling. The storytelling workshop was a, was it like a separate program that I had done through low entropy. Okay, so it. Well, I thought it was actually encapsulated or part of the Youth Empowering Youth program. No, Youth Empowering Youth was just my introduction to low entropy. Okay, so well, storytelling is not a part of the Youth Empowering Youth. Like it's it's a uh, separate. No. Okay, okay. But there is a lot of story sharing within it. Well, there is. Okay, yeah. So I misunderstood from our past. Yes, I thought that the storytelling was uh, actually right as a piece or a block of. Uh, the youth empowering youth, but as you're saying now, it's not, but you like telling stories. You like hearing stories. I like both because growing up, I was always very good listen, a very good listener. And now I, I think of myself as a better talker. So and I, I kind of do both. You do. Yeah. Yeah. So then leads us back to what you were saying. You're in the program and you were excited about engaging so much that at points you felt like you wanted to take over or you were taking over too much, right? Yeah, a little bit. Why is that? Because you were so excited about it or what? What was what was connecting with you? Because whenever I heard something that I just really related to, I always wanted to jump in and say, oh yes, this exact thing happened to me. <laughs> and and you didn't have that much of a connection or opportunity growing up or in school or not enough of it or well in certain classes, there's not always an opportunity to kind of share personal things about yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So it just felt so exciting to be able to have a space where I was freely allowed to do that. And how did the adults react when they were there? There's one adult coach, but it's mostly all youth. Youth listening or youth leading? Listening and leading. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, led by the youth and it's geared toward the youth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I was trying to hook you in with that question because I kind <laughs> of knew that, but uh, I wanted you to remind the listeners that it, it is youth actually leading the youth through the program and helping the youth grow mm-hmm, as a part of that program, right? Mm-hmm. So you've done well there because you are now one of the main speakers or one of the representatives of the Youth Empowering Youth Program in the TEDx that's going to happen in Vancouver on Granville Island. Correct? Yes, that is correct. 
So when is that happening? Uh, that is happening, I believe, June 18th. June 18th. Okay. So still the school year to finish for you and then still just around the corner, but you have a speech that you have ready or you have a story that you have ready or what are you going to present there at TEDx? Yeah, so I'm pre- I'm presenting a story about growing up with my sister and my kind of my journey through growing with a, up with a twin. Oh, so your sister's a twin? Yeah, she is. Oh wow, wow! So that's amazing because uh, my sister, the younger one that that I was talking about her wedding when I was doing the speech, um, mm-hmm. she had twins last year, twin boys. Oh wow! Yeah, and they're about a year and a couple months old right now, and they're coming to visit me too at the end of the month. Oh, so I I always Facetime with them so. It's kind of funny. And then I have a teaching background too. So uh, my sister always whispers, like, can you teach them this? Can you teach them that? <laughs> I, I try to do as much as I can through FaceTime. But and so now I'm even more interested. And if you don't mind, can you share some of that story? Or um, maybe maybe not exactly the way it's going to be at TEDx, but whatever you have. Uh, or whatever you want to about uh, that particular story to us and the listeners here right now. Sure. Uh, is, it, like- is it, is it, is it, uh, when, when we were talking about your story, were we talking about another story or were we were talking about that one in particular? We were talking about that one. You were. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is that what you're going to do? So you're going to be, you're going to be presenting as a part of the youth empowering youth program, be on the stage and you're going to tell that story about. Yes. Okay, that sounds really exciting. I can see that you're uh, really pumped and really excited about that. So, and and cheers to you for being chosen by the program to represent them. That's amazing. And it shows with your natural public speaking style. So I'd like, and and I'm not going to interrupt you now. I want to just hear maybe what it's like or what your thoughts are about the story and how you're going to kind of present it. Would that be all right? Sure. Would you like kind of a gist of it? Whatever. What, what would you want to do? What do you want to, you want to like tell the story in a storyteller way, or do you want to just give a synopsis? It's up to you. I'll just give like, a, it's quite, it's pretty long. So I'll just give okay. the. Kind of okay. Fun. So I understand. So you will, we'll go. And then if I want to de- dig deeper, I'll just ask questions. Is that all right? Yeah. Sounds great. Okay. That's fair. All right. So I will still engage. All right, let's go. <laughs> yeah. So growing up, it was, difficult because my sister was always first in comparison to me for example she's a minute older she's an inch taller and she talked first she crawled first and my parents were rooting for me to walk first and she still beat me to that but growing up I constantly dealt with people comparing me to her and it was usually like in the ways that I was worse than her and it put a lot of strain on my sister and my relationship so the story is really about how You need a willingness to grow, to overcome the effects of comparison. And growing up, I was, I was made fun of quite a bit. I was pretty shy. So I was seen as like an easy target because before I'd always rely on my twin sister when interacting with others, I found it difficult to talk to other people without her around. So when, when the comparisons got bad and I wanted to kind of separate myself from her, I kind of didn't know who I was without her, but Going back to getting made fun of a lot, there was this one kid, this one guy in my class, his name was Mark, and he always liked to make fun of me. He was, he was a very mean kid, so 
I do things like I said hello to one, him one time and he started snicking with his friends and saying, wow, she's such a loser. Yeah. Things like that. And it may seem very trivial, small things, but to young fifth grade me, it really, really affected me. Mm-hmm. So when things like that happened, like, for example, one time he told me, he came up to me and he said, you know, you're a lot uglier than your sister. And getting compared to my sister in such a malicious way, it made me start to actually turn my feelings of anger towards her instead. Mm. So especially going into high school, I found that I would just separate more and more from her and my resentment towards her would actually grow because people would constantly, for example, people would ask me, her name is Taylor, and they'd say, are you Taylor or the other one? It's like they only knew about her and didn't really care about me. So as we kept growing up, especially going into high school, where things things are usually pretty rocky for people when they're going into high school. And during those times where we were both very going through a lot and pretty lonely, we, we didn't have each other. And that was very difficult. So and you had a different set of friends. We had gone into high school with the same set of friends. And then she and I just split apart. Like when you were exposed to high school and different crowd different sort of melding of the crowds, your group separated. That is that what you mean? Yeah, that's what happened. Okay, that's what happened. Okay. Especially in ninth grade, she and I were very, very apart, didn't even talk to each other within a school day. And it's kind of the reason why I didn't realize what was going on with her. I was so focused on my own anger towards her. And it was really jealousy. I was very jealous of her because it seemed that everything would come easy to her. People would like her better than me. She was always seemed to me to be surrounded by friends and people who liked her. And I found that really difficult for myself. So whenever something bad would happen to her, I just kind of discounted and think, well, she's better than me. So, and so it was really when, when my, uh, in grade nine, when my dad had sat us down and told us that she was, she had gone in the hospital. That's when things kind of changed. Because she had I, gone into the hospital. Yeah, I I had learned that she had actually tried to take her life. And that was very difficult for me because I felt so guilty because I had sort of, I felt that I had abandoned her in high school because I was so focused on my own feelings of anger that I just, it was kind of like I used a wall to block off everything that was happening to her and kind of just focused on myself. And I felt so, so guilty and so selfish. I still remember when he told me, I felt like I was struggling to breathe and it just kind of hit me. Let me ask you that because your dad probably knew that your sister needed you. So he came to you at that time. I'm pretty sure of that because of the way you just said that he sat you down and told you, but Mm -hmm. you're a twin. Do you feel the pain when she's not around? Well, yeah. Whenever she is going through something and I know that she's going through something, I I think I'd feel that with any of my siblings. Just, How many siblings do you have? I have two. Two other than, oh no, one other sibling. Then. There's three one other them. sibling, oh, yes. Three three of us. So, but you know what I'm asking? I'm asking maybe a stereotypical question. You've been asked this before, right? Like, and, and I'm going to say it that way because I, no doubt you've been asked this before. But uh, she was going through something. Your dad uh, reached out for help because he reached out to help for help to you guys. You're, other sibling and you and was talking to you about what was happening with your sister, your twin. 
And but the stereotypical question, what I was pointing to was when you're when you were separated like that, but she started going through this maybe massive pain that caused her to go into the hospital. Did you have any inklings or do you feel that when you both of you are apart? Does she feel that? Do you feel that? Do you feel each other's pain when it's happening? I can't say we have any sort of twin tuition or anything like that. It's, for me, it's always been like the same as normal siblings. So you, to you, it just seems normal. Yeah. So you can't say that it's something different to compare to because you've never felt anything different. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You just feel that, well, that's the way it is. I, if my sister is struggling, I kind of know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I, I hear you. It, it, and, and in that way, what you just said, for everybody listening, I think that's a question that um, comes out as dumb after to people who ask it, because that's all you know. Twins just know that feeling. They don't know this feeling of other siblings unless they have other siblings. So when you ask the question, when someone asks the question, particularly concerning you both, your twins, then you know that feeling or you know that's just normal. You have another sibling, brother or sister? Brother. So how is that? Do you feel his pain? I certainly can't say in the same way. So you know there's a difference. There is a difference. Okay. Now, it's in- interesting. I think, I think it requires like a lot, maybe a whole different conversation. But that's really <laughs> interesting to me as, a, as an uncle now of uh, two twins. It's really, because they're only one year old. So it's going to be interesting to watch as they proceed now. So mm-hmm. you confirming that for me, great. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> but I'm going to take you back to that moment. So your uh, dad sits you down, your sister's in the hospital. Something major has occurred that she proceeded to try to take her life? Yeah. So it was kind of like my world breaking apart because I knew that there was something going on, but I didn't think something like this would happen. I didn't think it would become so so drastic. So afterwards, I just was full of feelings of guilt. And I visited her in the hospital as, as often as I could, just trying to make up for the time I had lost with her from all those years of kind of avoiding her. Did you feel like you had to fix it? I did, yeah. I, I just felt so, You know you're just a kid, right? I was just a kid, but I just felt so stupid. For well, I know, I know that. I'm just... You're remarkable for trying that or doing that. I, I can tell that your family's uh, a family, like really close. They like to stick up and reach out for each other and be that family support for each other. But I think it happens to young people a lot, right? When they're asked to give support or come into a situation where something's happened that sometimes you feel like uh, you have to fix it. Well, that's sort of always been the role in my family. I've always been like the peacekeeper among everyone. Oh. Well, so you have, you feel that always. Oh, yes. Even now. <laughs> even now. Even now you feel that. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it still kind of developing your relationship with that feeling? Yeah. Sometimes you know what I, I mean? Like, are you, have you come to terms with it? Oh, that's just the way it is. Or, or it's going to be different or. I'd like it to be different. I'd like to be able to get upset myself more and not always feel like I have to pull things together. But I'm still working on that. Yeah, and there's no rush because you're young and your family's the way it is. Uh, I'll just say from my experience, just know you're young. Mm-hmm. Know you're young right now, right? You're not uh, set in your ways as an adult or 
and even adults, they're always developing too. They're always developing because life changes, right? So yeah. I can, I've felt that before too. I, I echo that even though I'm not a twin. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was brought here to fix. And I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. But I, so I, you feel a lot of burden. So I'm yeah. guessing that's what was happening to you. Yeah. And then how did, sorry, go on. Yeah, just especially because I felt, I just felt like I had such a responsibility and I had such a big part in this. So you felt blame. I, I did, yeah. How do you feel now? I, I don't think it was my fault. I think that I handled the situation when, when I knew she was feeling bad. I think I handled the situation poorly and that I should have reached out to her. But I know that the past is the past. And going forward, I just try to be there for her as much as I can. How is your relationship now? It's actually a lot better. We've, we've become very close and I'm so thankful for that. As it should be, right? Mm-hmm. Sisters, and, family. Yeah. And on top of that, whole stereotype twins. <laughs> yeah. Like you're supposed to be like super tight, right? You're supposed to be telekinetic, right? <laughs> you, know, you can sense each other's thoughts and all that stuff. I don't know about that one. <laughs> right. There you go. So you're still, yeah, you, you said the right thing because in the end, you're still an individual person mm-hmm. getting through life, right? So remember this. This is one thing I notice right now. When people were saying things to you that, oh, why aren't you like her? That Mark kid, I'm going to be very honest. He probably had a crush on you. That's why he bugged you. Up. <laughs> it, it's, it's a very common psychological like, uh, thing when you go back and review things. Mm-hmm. Uh, most believe bug because they want to be that person or they, will, they want that person to be their friend really bad. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the reason that they do that. Or they have something similar happening in their home that they recognize and they want to take the grief out on to the person that they see. Mm-hmm. Them, right so when they say that why don't you like her you may have gotten this before or you're not an extrovert like her you're an introvert well i think you proved everybody's wrong as soon as the public speaking started and it started taking off you are that extrovert i see it right away and when i first started talking to you i picked that up right away so these are labels that we get stuck with sometimes and they change because just like the earth spins people don't realize the angles change light changes uh how it reflects on your face it changes you may feel that way now but as you grow and you learn and you adapt you will know those labels aren't they don't stick with you they don't mm-hmm. stick with you and that, that's something you maybe you want to share with your sister too because unfortunately she had that uh, moment where she felt felt she couldn't go on right mm-hmm. so then she needs to know that things change you mm-hmm. you go through rough stuff right so i'm sure that that kind of message in the end, when you get across at TEDx, it's going to really be important. Mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure preparing for it, it's going to be um, exciting and sort of stressful for yourself because I know you want to get it across the way you want to get it across, but I'm sure you're that. I can tell you're that <laughs> kind of individual. You focus a lot on it. You want to give a lot of time to it, practice it a lot. Like you said, mm-hmm. you got your family. You always say, hey, come listen to this. I'm sure you're going to say, hey, come listen to this, right? Yeah, and, uh, the tears will be shed because it's about you. It's about you and your sister. So um, mm-hmm. over and over when you repeat it, they're going to be shed. I'm going to share something with you. So I have a teaching background. I taught for a lot in a private school in Japan. When I came back home to Canada, I worked in a corporation. And then after that, I had my own private tutoring business. So I had a student just a few years back. I was kind of, he had a troubled life. And um, his grandmother hired me. And she's actually best friends with my mother. 
So she hired me to uh, kind of fix him mm. and get him to graduate. And uh, naturally, I'm a coach too, but I'm a certified life coach too. So I kind of intertwined that, especially when it was a tutoring situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, coaching, teaching, guiding, all at the same time, right? Challenging mm-hmm. as well. So um, we were doing pretty well. He was going to graduate and everything. And I was doing so well that the school, the his uh, high school was even calling me to say, uh, we'd like you to work here. Oh, <laughs> I'm wow. like, I have my own business. I'm good. (laughs) But it was working well because they, they had a rough time with him Mm -hmm. and I didn't, but it didn't work out in the end. He overdosed and, and he was gone one day. Mm -hmm. So it it was like right in the beginning, his grandmother thought that he took his life, Mm -hmm. but it was just an unfortunate situation. Mm -hmm. He didn't take his life, but that's, also had me in the position a lot right in the beginning. Did I screw up? Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Did I, did I screw up? I was challenged by his grandmother who raised him and I failed kind of, but then mm-hmm. I kept being told you didn't fail. And I know I didn't fail, but I did fail internally when I used to reflect on it. Yeah. But those things pass as you reflect. And then, and what I meant by coming to terms with things and you're young, you're still going through stuff and you're still going to reflect on things. But I think I'm going to say this. I applaud you for sharing what you did. I applaud you for knowing that you can speak well and you, you hone that skill. And I also applaud you for sharing that with all our audience and even the greater members of uh, the Law Entropy Foundation, because it's important, a story like yours. I don't share that story I just told you. Mm-hmm. But I guess now I just did it on the podcast. Guess what? Somebody's gonna buzz me and say, "Hey, I just heard that." But uh, yeah, I usually don't share that story because uh, sometimes it still gets me really emotional, mm-hmm. right? And it really gets me emotional when my mom's in town and she gets together with her friend, mm-hmm. and she she's also an emotional lady too. So when she sees me, she kind of it's emotion, right? Because uh, she's not mad at me. She just I remind her of him. So mm-hmm. what, what can you do? Right. And then she reminds me of him. Mm-hmm. So that kind of deal. Right. So yeah. it is, I think, an incredible thing to be able to speak about things like you are going to do because they don't stay within you. They get released to the world. And to have that burden only stuck within you is a heavy thing to carry around. Mm-hmm. So that's I, I'm going to say very impressed. I'm Thank very you. impressed by you because. I carried around a lot of stuff in my life mm-hmm. and I, I spoke well, like you when I was younger, but I mm-hmm. just stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. So always keep that. Like always keep that. Don't, you don't have to keep these things inside. Mm-hmm. Whisper that in your sister's ear too. Won't hurt. No, it's not a bad thing. Right. Not a bad mm-hmm. thing to learn. Um, what would you like to add today to this podcast? Uh, I guess just the message that, you you can always change like like we've been talking about you can always grow it may take a long time and it may seem so difficult but even when your world's kind of tumbling apart you don't have to stay the way that you are you can always grow as a person mm-hmm. and you're growing and you're a, quite a sight to see and quite a sight to hear um very impressed 
I also want you to do a plug about the Youth Empowering Youth Program. Why should people listening, parents listening who are considering introducing their children to the program, or young people like you listening, or adults who say, hey, part of this foundation, there's this program there, you should introduce your kids. You tell them about it right now. Why should they engage with it or get those youth into this program? It doesn't matter what stage in life you're at, um, whether you feel like you're very successful already or whether you feel like there's something that you still want to do. It always gives you opportunities to change and learn new things. A big part of it is finding ways to achieve your goals and giving you concrete steps. And that's my favorite part, the fact that it's such easy steps that you can take, even just small ones, to form your goals. And it's a great community of people who are all looking to grow together. And there's so much support that you can find, whether from the other participants or the facilitators. And so many great opportunities that can come from it. They're always creating new new it's talks. Im- it's important for young people to be a part of that program, you think? Mm-hmm. Completely. You think, should, you think you should be in the schools? I think so, for sure. You think you're going to... Have you told your sister about it? I have, actually. I tried to get her to join. <laughs> yeah, she's not ready yet. No. Hopefully one day she will be. That'll be great. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm sure she's going to hear some of those things that bother her. She's going to hear it in the program. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why you want her to join it too, because she, you, you know that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you are a great representative of the Youth Empowering Youth. I'm going to echo that. I think people should come so that they could get on track or focus on their goals and learn how to do it with other youth that have done it or are leading you through the program so that you learn to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the members of the program that graduated that I've met, you and another colleague of yours, very impressive, but uh, you sharing your story, your life story with the listeners and the foundation. Thank you so much, Kiara. I wish you the best. Totally. Keep doing what you're doing, giving your time here too at the foundation with the program and uh, great success with the TED talk for sure. The TEDx, I really hope you do. And, you know, drop us a line too. Let's see if uh, Ryan and I, or we can get other people to come from this side too, if there's a room available by that time but uh let's see like drop us a line tell us exactly when it's happening and how to get involved how to get a seat and if we can try to get one we'd love to do that so yeah that's all for me today Kiara is there anything else you'd like to say to end today uh just thank you so much it's been great to be able to share my story and it feels like it really got me prepared for the talk oh that's even better (laughs) <laughs> you you shared with us and you shared something great with us and you gave us something. So it's always great to receive. But if we gave you a little bit of that preparation, I'm happy now because I didn't think about that. And that's great. If we gave you a little bit of prep, that's awesome. Tell your parents, your dad, uh, your sister and your brother that uh, Shiraz here at Low Entropy thinks Kiara is a pretty cool cookie. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. No worries. No worries. Okay, everybody, we're going to end our podcast here today. And thank you for listening. And stay tuned for more great people and interesting people like you. All right. Have a good night.